Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blockchain Podcast. Today is May 18th, 2019. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the latest Bitcoin price action and the price action across the crypto markets. I'll touch bases a little bit on uh, Bitcoin halvening and some of the charts and graphs that you're going to see out there and on Twitter and Reddit and so forth about projections on price and how having works and uh, how the halvening will potentially affect price. But I think it's a little bit different than most people are thinking. And, and I don't think they're being particularly honest or accurate about what, what that means in the future. And then I'll talk a bit about uh, portfolio strategy. So specifically crypto portfolio strategy and just kind of talk through you know, some aspects of diversification, different sectors within the crypto space and how you might go about constructing a portfolio that covers the bases um, without concentrating too much in one spot, unless you want to be, you know, a, a Bitcoin maximalist and, and put all your eggs in one basket, which is fine. You know, you can do that, but I don't think it actually takes into account some sound uh, diversif- diversification tools that can be used to minimize or re- I should say reduce your risk. Um, overall, even though lots of things are correlated with Bitcoin, but I'll talk about that later. So the latest price action, what we saw from last week was Bitcoin go from the high 6,000, say 6,800-ish, and then you know over the course of a week or so, jump all the way up to somewhere around 8,400-ish. So nearly, you know, not quite, but nearly a $2,000 rise. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, verticals in there, or I should say one big vertical. And so it was, you know, pretty, pretty big pump. Um, and then we saw that kind of permeate through the rest of the crypto space outside of Bitcoin. And so we saw a pretty, pretty decent rise. And then lately, uh, last handful of days, we saw it come back down to, say, Bitcoin specifically down to 7,000-ish and now settling somewhere around 7,400. And so we saw similar price action, you know, a couple months ago where we had this big vertical and people were asking, you know, what, what's driving this? And then it kind of retraced a tiny bit and moved sideways. And so we might see some of that as well. We're either going to hold above 7,000 um, and move sideways a bit and c- kind of consolidate, and then we're going to move either down or we're going to move up. And so if we move down, I wouldn't be surprised to see something in the 6,000s. And if we really move down for whatever reason, I wouldn't be surprised to see something in the 5,000s. And I think that would probably be a reasonable entry point in the 5,000s at this point, all things considered. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure that we'll see that uh, at this point. Now, if it comes back down, it's just going to be a, you know, kind of a continuation of this sideways sort of momentum, I believe. And then if it goes up, you know, it's anyone's guess. So Bitcoin has this odd, odd tendency to um, get people very riled up and it creates a lot of FOMO, you know, what people are looking at and what everyone's looking at is um, what's it going to do? How can I jump on the train and be on the train and and ride this thing up to 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, whatever it is. Now, the interesting thing about human psychology is it it remembers for a certain period of time, and it's also very interested in new shiny objects and new things, okay? So that's what people intrinsically in their mind are, are driven toward and that, that what they want to talk about and what they want to hear about. And so if we go back to, I think it was 2017, it's been a while now, what, what really created that fervor from, you know, Bitcoin being in the thousands to 10,000 to 20,000 was this, there was a psychological breach of the $10,000 mark. Okay, that was the first time that it ever happened. And people looked at that and they said, wow, this thing's going crazy. And what is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? And people just really got crazy about it. And it was on every news channel. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about how much money they were making. And it was across the world. And it was a new thing. It was a new high. It was a very round number at $10,000. 
and it generated a lot of awareness. And so that drove it drove it fast up to 20,000, you know. And so you saw this huge spike, you saw the bubble burst after that and so forth and you you know, you but you did see this massive awareness people were quitting school to be day traders in crypto and all the things that you that you hear in a bubble, you know, all the things that you heard in the dot com bubble, all the things that you heard in the housing bubble, all the things you hear in any sort of bubble where it gets feverish, people just think if you get on board, you're going to make money. They ignore the fundamentals. They don't understand what's actually going on underneath. And, and that's the perfect recipe for a bubble that you could, you know, you could ride, you can ride these waves if you're smart and you're, and you're discerning. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people do and something that uh, I did. And, and it's, it's perfectly reasonable. It's a market. So that's something that I, I'm watching very closely for in this market as things develop. But in this last blip, we saw, you know, a lot of people getting excited, you know, thinking maybe we're going to breach 10,000, thinking that, uh, you know, we're on this new big bull run. And I do think we're on a bull market now. Um, I think it's going to be more tempered than before. I hope it's more tempered than before. Uh, but it, but it's definitely something that people are kind of just waiting and really with bated breath trying to see, like, where is this thing going? When do I jump on board? When should I be interested? And the market's kind of at this in psychological inflection point, if you will. You know, people are becoming less and less fearful, but there's also a lot more momentum just fundamentally across the market from perception of companies and enterprises and, and just people in retail. Now, I don't think for Bitcoin that the payment, um, the payment uh, solutions have advanced enough for the everyday retail investor. There is lightning there working on that. You can use it. You have to set up your own node. You have to do all these other things. But like I said before, many, many other podcasts, what will happen as the Bitcoin, as the Bitcoin price increases, fees will increase. And even during this last run, I tried to transfer some money or some Bitcoin and the recommended fee was on the order of $13, which was quite significant considering it was, you know, a modest amount of money being moved. And so those things will happen. And as the price moves up, you know, say it doubles from here, say it was 14,000, that's going to be something on the order of 26, 25 bucks to move my Bitcoin. And that's a lot. And what people will do as humans is they will look for alternatives. Okay, they will look for alternative, alternative cryptos that they see as more or less comparable, that they can move around quickly, that they can move around cheaply. And the same thing will happen as it did before is that people will do that. And so what will happen is those ones, I believe, will get more adoption. They will become the, like, say, Bitcoin Cash, maybe Litecoin. Litecoin can get expensive, too, at times, maybe Dash and others like that, that the ones with low fees will, you know, get a second look. So that's what's going to happen. Um, but what I want to talk about it, it, as well is the psychology component of these price movements and what, we, what we'll need to look for. And so right now, people are just kind of, you know, aware of it. Sometimes it'll show up on, you know, finance, Yahoo Finance or, you know, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal. It's pretty regular at this point. There's always something to talk about because Bitcoin has been, I think, the best performing asset this year if you take it from year to date for 2019. And over the last decade, it's been the best performing asset. So those, those are always things to talk about. But what people in the news need to hear and what people that watch the news want to hear is something new. Okay. So it's not enough to breach 10,000 and create a mania again. Okay. Because we already did that. That's old. We already did that multiple times. We went above it. We went below. We went back above it. We went below it. You know, it's not that interesting anymore. You know, what you have to do is you have to set headlines like best performing asset, you know, uh, you have to set uh, headlines like 
uh, new record price of 21,000. It breached 20,000. What's going on? This is crazy. And so when those things happen, people will, you know, get interested again because it's something new. It's something to talk about. It's something that they don't want to miss. Now, when it does get to 20,000, this is the kind of contrarian view on that is uh, maybe it'll take a year, maybe it'll take two years, whatever it is. But say that it does get to 20,000, it preaches that. Then it'll, then people will be saying, oh, you know, Bitcoin's at an all new high. Where are we headed next? And the next logical thing, round number that I think people will be targeting is actually on the order of 50,000. You know, 50,000 is kind of this roundish number. It's, it's something that um, it seems like, you know, a little more than doubling from 20,000, but then it becomes very expensive. It becomes very expensive to move on chain and it becomes very expensive perceptually. Uh, just looking at, you know, that one Bitcoin is, you know, as much as a car, you know, um, one Bitcoin might be as much as, you know, a small down payment on a house at 50,000. You know, these are big numbers. And again, a lot of people still don't recognize that you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can buy a very small fraction. You don't have to buy a full Bitcoin. But again, that's going to drive psychology into other coins uh, because I don't think that Lightning is going to be well understood. It's, it's actually a difficult concept to understand the Lightning Network. And until it's very ubiquitous and people don't even have to think about it and don't even need to understand it, it's just not functional for the retail and even institutional investor. I can't emphasize that enough. And I think that's where the folks at Bitcoin Cash and other um, coins that you know are focusing on on-chain solutions at this point recognize is that you know until we get to a level where the user experience and user interface for these things for these second layer solutions is just so easy and so you know um, uh, uh, so easy and ubiquitous that people are going to want to settle on chain and when they see the fees they're not going to like it that's what's going to happen now going back to my fee that uh, I was talking about before if bitcoin's at 50,000 you know let's just use rough order of magnitude numbers now that's 10 times roughly 10 times where we are now roughly and my fee of $13 would be $130. Now, granted, I might have a ton of Bitcoin at that point in, in notional value, but I don't want to spend a hundred and something dollars to move my Bitcoin around. So again, you start looking for alternatives, you start looking for, you start researching other alternatives, and that's just inevitably going to happen. Now, there are also some, there's also some talk, and I'm getting off the topic of price, but this is all connected because this is what will ultimately put breaks on the price as we move higher is this fee structure. Um, there are some folks like EOS who are talking about, and they might announce in a couple weeks, you know, on the June 1st sort of block one, you know, big, uh, big uh, event. But uh, there are ways that other on other, uh, how should I say, other platforms can help scale um, Bitcoin. And so there are talk about, uh, you know, EOS, Bitcoin sort of wrappers and coins and ways of basically, you know, uh, using Bitcoin, but transferring it around on different networks. And so I'm not intimately familiar with all the details on that, but that's something that I'll be looking into and researching a little bit more. But the ability to, you know, kind of encapsulate the Bitcoin, you know, in some, on some other network, maybe you're doing something with the keys or you're doing something with signing and, uh, and so forth. Whereas, where you can actually wrap it in some sort of EOS sort of, um, you know, uh, what should I say, transaction. But, it, you know, underneath it's actually Bitcoin, if you will. I'm, I'm doing a very crude job of explaining that. But it basically comes down to instead of using second layer lightning um, to move Bitcoin around, maybe you can use another platform like Ethereum or EOS or, or something of that nature where it uh, 
creates a wrapper around the Bitcoin and you can move it around that way on a different network, which is pretty interesting. Um, there's also things like uh, inner blockchain communication and atomic swaps and things like that. But those are all those are different things that I don't want to talk about right now. So that's what's going to ultimately affect the Bitcoin price. And so for that reason, you know, there does seem to be some sort of cap. Okay. And that cap is probably in, say, the 10000 to $50,000 range, where I think if you get much above that without um, more mature um, space, then uh, or with more mature technology on payment systems and transfer, then then you're then you're basically going to be stagnant. So uh, look for that in the future. Uh, and something else that's coming into play with Bitcoin is the uh, the block reward halvening. And if you're if you're a miner, you definitely are aware of this. And if you're just been in the space and been reading things, you're definitely aware of this. But I'll just kind of do a re- quick recap because this is an important part that people are going to talk about a lot concerning Bitcoin price in in, in the near future. So every four years, roughly, it's every, I don't know, some, some amount of blocks, but it equates to basically two years, there is what's called a block, block reward happening. And so it started out, I think, um, in the early days, around 50, 50 Bitcoin per block, and then it went down to 25, and then it went down to 12.5. I think that's where we are now. And then it's going to go down to 6.25 per block. And so every 10 minutes, a new block is created with all the transactions. It's confirmed. And as part of, you know, uh, processing that block, the miner who processed that gets, you know, uh, the block reward. And so right now it's 12.5 Bitcoin per block reward. And in about a year or so, it's going to be 6.25. So it's going to reduce. Now, the cost to mine is, you know, um, not too much more than uh, or not too much less than the profit. So there's a, there's a small amount of profit and a relatively small amount of profit and so people mine and then they you know take that difference they have their cost of electricity they have their capital costs their expenses their insurance all these other things and so the notion is that people who are mining sell a majority of their bitcoin to uh, fund their operations whether they sell it for dollars or you know chinese currency or whatever else they're selling and then they're they're selling a portion of the of the block reward most of it and so that puts a sell sell pressure on the price and so when the block reward is 12.5, you know, it's putting 12.5 BTC every 10 minutes basically on on the sell side. And so the, the thinking with block uh, reward halvening is when that halvening occurs, it's only 6.25 every 10 minutes. And it significantly reduces the uh, sell side pressure. And so that should, you know, just from a supply demand sort of metric should increase the price. And so what you're going to see is, you know, about a year before all these happenings and uh, up to them or whatever, historically, there's always been this massive parabolic rise in Bitcoin um, in anticipation of this and as a result of this. Now, something that I just want to note and something that I've tweeted about and, and you know, if you don't follow on Twitter, go follow on Twitter at BlockchainCO. Um is that the block reward halves every four years. And so you are no longer generating 50 Bitcoins every 10 minutes. We're generating 12.5. And then we'll be generating 6.25. And then after that, it'll be 3.125. And then it'll be 1.5 something. And so the actual net impact becomes smaller and smaller. And that's important to just think in your mind mathematically. So, you know, we're not going from 50 to 25, which is a delta of 25 Bitcoin. We're going from six, uh, from 12.5 to 6.25, which is a difference of 6.25. So the 
magnitude of the effect gets smaller and smaller over time, right? So the cell side pressure gets smaller and cell, smaller over time. Um, but then also the proportion of that reward compared to the, the Bitcoin that's already out there gets smaller and smaller. So say there's, I, I think, 16, 17, 18 million Bitcoins outstanding. That's increasing as more uh, blocks are mined and more Bitcoin are created. Um, and so the the uh, the inflation rate goes down essentially and the amount of coins when it goes to 6.25 is a very small proportion um, compared to the overall supply of you know 17 18 million or wherever we are at this point so just keep that in mind that it's not a linear function so when and i say this because you you are going to see a lot of these charts a lot of these people projecting prices um, as as we near this happening and saying oh we're going to go crazy we're going to go parabolic we're going to be at a hundred and thirty thousand dollar price and it's just, it's it, we might be, but it's not going to be because of the um, halving of the uh, of the block reward. Because just if you do the mathematics, it becomes a less and less effect. It becomes a smaller and smaller effect. And if you want to do more research on on it, you know, search uh, Bitcoin mining, um, block reward, um, Bitcoin halving, and those those terms will actually get you information on what's going on there. But uh, I just wanted to put that caution cautionary note out there because you know it, this. <laughs> this happening will not be the the reason that we go from uh you know seven eight seven thousand to a hundred and thirty thousand i can i can tell you that much it just mathematically doesn't work that way so with that i'll jump over to um another interesting topic which i've, I've been thinking a lot about lately is just kind of portfolio strategy um, and kind of trying to take, you know, modern portfolio strategies, modern port portfolio uh, theory and things of that nature and trying to apply them to the crypto space. Now, if you're familiar with this, these things, it's, 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 it's kind of detailed, but at the same time, it's really not. I mean, you've, you've heard before that you want to diversify your investments. You want to have a diversified portfolio. You want to have stocks and bonds and, you know, all these other things in traditional financial instruments, you, you can actually diversify. Um, pretty well because there are there are uh, different correlations with different assets and different types. Now you can also diversify within a sector, and so if you're diversifying within a sector, um, obviously things should be relatively core more correlated than something you know across. So if you're if you're looking at some sort of stock and you're looking at some sort of bond, they're not necessarily well correlated because they have different kind of mechanisms that affect their price. But they could also be correlated in some instances too. You know, for example, if you know, uh, say, uh, stock prices are dropping and um, bond or or, or uh, uh, interest rates are, uh, let's see, interest rates are increasing. So if those things happen, you can have you know. Bonds going down, stocks going down. That's what we saw uh, late last year in 2018 was basically all assets were down except, uh, I think, uh, cash. I think cash might have been the best performing asset last year. And that was because in Q4, everything just kind of fell off a cliff and interest rates were rising and bond values were dropping and all these things. Um, so all that to say that the um, you can diversify within a sector, you can diversify across asset types and so forth, but really the best is kind of probably across asset types because you want a low correlation between, between things. Um, with crypto, you can kind of take that same sort of theory, and I'd have to, I'll have to look into it more deeply on the numbers, but most things are correlated with Bitcoin at this point, and that becomes a little bit of a, actually kind of a big problem with trying to diversify, and that should be, you know, when you're in a sector, you're going to have things that are correlated, right? If you're all in semiconductor or you're all in like, you know, consumer 
goods or whatever, you're going to, you're going to feel the same, you know, um, pressures from different macro factors and so forth. But in crypto, everything seems to follow Bitcoin to a certain degree. There are some things that are not correlated well, for sure. Um, but usually the top 10 or so are pretty well correlated um, with Bitcoin. So you can diversify across these things. But when you start looking at the correlation, you know, factors and things like that, you realize that you're basically kind of investing in, in the same in the same thing. And you're not really getting that much impact from your diversification sort of methodology just from mathematics today. Now that can change though. So I, I, my, my strategy at this point is to have a diversified portfolio um, in the crypto space across different, you know, uh, applications or sectors in the space. And so what that means is, you know, I, there's, there's things that are a store of value and potentially a store of value. I think the only true store of value at this point is Bitcoin. And there may be other coins that eventually become store of value or become or take that on. But right now it's for sure uh, Bitcoin. Um, and then there are things like payment coins, which is also Bitcoin falls in that category if you include Lightning Network. Um, but then there's Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin and, you know, uh, Monero, uh, I, I'll say Dash and Monero and Zcash and Horizon and things like that. And then there are subsets of those um, payment coins which have privacy aspects, and that would be like Monero, Zcash, Horizon, and Dash. And then there are, you know, ones that are maybe based on different technologies like a DAG or, um, um, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, but there are also other other application spaces or other platform types like smart contracts like um, Tezos or EOS or I'd say EOS is more application based. I always say that I, I, I draw a distinction between smart contract platforms like Tezos, Cardano and Ethereum and uh EOS, then you have that whole category. And then you have utility tokens like BAT or storage or things of that nature. And then you have kind of these platforms of uh, application platforms that maybe you could call utility tokens, but like Maker and Augur and things like that. So you have kind of all these different bits. You have all these kind of different, uh, you know, coins that have different functionality that in the end will be, dr be driven by different, um, well, some of them will be driven by the same, same sort of factors, but they will have different inputs. So let me explain that a little bit better. So for something that's a payment system, um, you're going to want a lot of people using that payment system. You're going to want a lot of products denominated in that payment system or that payment currency. And you're going to want people just transferring back and forth and understanding it and using it and having easy to use wallets. And so that's going to drive the value of those coins. And really it's just user adoption and um, uh, um, assets that are denominated in that. And so you'll see that with Bitcoin a lot, and then you'll, you know, hopefully see that with other, you know, alternate altcoins um, more prominently. But right now, Bitcoin is the primary one for what things are denominated in. You will see things denominated Litecoin if you're buying like uh, mining machines and other crypto space or things. You'll th see things denominated in Ethereum. And so there are these other uh, coins that do have this payment, uh, this payment mechanism, but also you have uh, products denominated in them. So that is happening. And so that's what you want to see for those to gain value. Now with smart contract platforms further, you want to see people building on top of them. You want to see applications on top of them. You want to see infrastructure on top of them. You want to see countries adopting, you know, the, um, the technology to put their currency system on it or creating side chains or whatever else, you know, people are going to do, but you want to see the the platform being expanded upon with other applications and other tools and other products. 
And so all that to say, um, even though they're all correlated right now with Bitcoin. So in theory, you could say, I'm going to drop all my money in Bitcoin because, you know, everything's correlated and it's all the same anyway. And it just makes things easier. Um, that isn't diversifying some of your other risks, even though they're correlating. You could say mathematically, you know, it's not going to matter that much, but it will matter from a technical point of view, from an adoption point of view, from, a, you know, some sort of risk or some sort of bug within, you know, a particular platform. Um, it, it does matter. And even though it doesn't seem like it matters right now, it will event, it will matter. And things will begin to diverge at some point. When you see divergence um, is when you're going to really know that um, uh, we're in a market where people are actually using the product and valuing it based on the use of the product and things of that nature. When everything's correlated, all you're, all you're really seeing is, you know, people are just dumping money into a space because, you know, it's hot and they don't know which is which and they don't know where to, you know, pile more money in than others. Now, granted, they do have different market caps. So you could say most people are betting on, you know, Bitcoin at this point, which is, is reasonable. But um, that also means that, uh, you know, potentially Bitcoin's overvalued because people don't understand it and they're just jumping their money in because they recognize it. Uh, you know, and that could be the case. It could also be the case that it's undervalued, sure, for, as, as well. That That's easy to say, too. But, you know, there are other factors going in to the, the, the reasoning and decision-making process that aren't necessarily based on fundamentals. Uh, some people say, what fundamentals? These don't have fundamentals. They don't have cash flow. They don't have earnings. They don't have all these things. But they do have um, they do have fundamentals. And if you don't if you don't recognize that, I suppose um, maybe you're just a skeptic, or maybe you just don't understand how these systems work, or understand how currencies work, and and banking, and, and financial systems, and technology. If, if you really if you really don't think there are fundamentals, then then you you don't know what you're talking about. Um, because it's, and the fundamentals are, are very nuanced and detailed and difficult to ascertain. And then they're not the same sort of fundamentals as traditional, uh, financial assets. So, you know, a little rant there, but, um, so all that said though, kind of tying it back to the beginning is I do think it's wise to diversify. I do think it's wise to diversify across application types within the sector, smart contract, store of value, payment system, you know, privacy, uh, uh, dApps, um, some maybe small amount of utility tokens and utility sort of projects. So I do think that's wise because we are very early in the days. And I believe that however it develops, whoever ends up really winning and, and really being a, a significant um, factor in the space, you know, say, say, excluding Ethereum and Bitcoin, say one of the others that are, you know, valued out on the order of billions, that's going to go to hundreds of billions potentially over a trillion, if that is actually the de facto, you know, kind of decentralized finance platform and asset sort of technology, if you will, across the world. So if you do believe in the big picture, if you do believe that um, that this internet of money, of internet of value is a real thing and that it's here to stay and that at some point, you know, IoT is going to be using it, you know, autonomous vehicles are going to be using it, that you're going to have transactions and microtransactions happening all the time, like packets on the internet, if you believe that, then, you know, just having a diversified portfolio at this point, you're probably going to catch the project that is going to, um, you know, be kind of the king of some some aspect of that, you know, whether it's smart contracts or whatever. And so I, that's, what, again, why I think diversification is important is because you just don't know at this point, you know, as much research as I do, as much research as others do, you, you, you really don't know how the how this will develop and how things will take off. And again, you have to think of it in some way like, um, 
how the internet was developing and how web was developing, you know, in the late nineties and early two thousands was, was it going to be MySpace or was it going to be Facebook? Was it going to be Google or Yahoo or Alta Vista or, you know, Excite or whatever all those other search engines were? You didn't know. And I think it would be, you'd be hard pressed to have picked Google uh, above the crowd. You would have been hard pressed to, even with browsers to have picked say Chrome um, Google Chrome versus Internet Explorer, Firefox, Opera, all these other browsers, Netscape, way back in the day. Um, so you, you, with technology, it it's often seems like, yeah, MySpace is going to be the thing forever. Um, what else could possibly uh, displace that? Or it's going to be, you know, the Motorola Razor, that, you know, the really popular flip phone, like that's the best phone ever. What's ever going to displace that? And so it's easy for people psychologically to actually just assume what they're familiar with or what they've been exposed to is going to be the winner and the winner that takes all and the leader and always the leader. And the funny thing is, that's rarely actually the case. It's actually kind of fascinating if you go through and you look at just all the different technologies and all the different companies and all these other things, is usually there's someone who blazes the trail and then there's people who come in behind and make it better and they end up, uh, the ones coming in after end up winning at the end. Now, again, I'm not saying that's going to be the case here. There are certainly important network effects and uh, things of that nature occurring, but it certainly can happen. So I just want to emphasize that, that I, again, I think diversification is important in this space. And I think you should think long and hard about penciling out the numbers. And at some point, maybe I'll share kind of um, the breakdown that I see and the breakdown that I use across the different sectors and, and projects. Um, so with that, you know, I'll I'll close out this podcast, but as always, you know, follow on Twitter, um, check out the website. Still haven't gotten to um, posting particular articles, but I post all the podcasts there and then some notes about uh, um, the podcast, any links and sources and so forth underneath on blackchain.co. Um, check out the YouTube channel, uh, subscribe there. If there's enough subscribers at some point, then maybe I'll make some more visual content and how to and reviews on some things um, like, you know, hardware wallets and just how to, how to stake and you know, things like that, how to set up particular servers for, you know, uh, super nodes or things of that nature. Um, but, you know, if there's not, not a ton of subscribers, I, I have a limited amount of time as it is. Um, but subscribe there. Uh, I'm on SoundCloud as well. And then iTunes and Facebook and a handful of other things. So, you know, it's kind of a game of where's Waldo. Go find all the places that blockchain is at and, and check them out and follow them and like the stuff. And with that, I will see you next time on the Blackchain Podcast.